You are listening to Grow a Thriving Practice Podcast. This is episode 113, Accepting the Invitation with Marielle Fisher. My name is Jillian Faldmo, and I teach wellness practitioners the exact steps to find clients and get paid so they can spend less time marketing and more time doing what they love. This is the Grow a Thriving Practice Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I am excited to have a guest here. We have Marielle Fisher, who, um, well, I'm sure she's going to share a little bit about our background together, because I think that has a little bit of a a spark in her story. Um, But I wanted to have Marielle on the show today because she is an amazing practitioner. Um, I've taught biofield tuning with Marielle, and she's come such a long way since I first knew her and she has so much wisdom to offer, um, through her vast experience of working with energy. And so I know she's got some, uh, gems that she would like to share with you all today. And I'm just super grateful. So thanks for being here, Marielle. Thank you for having me, Jill. What an honor to be here with you. Like you've got me too already. Oh, (laughs) When you think about it though, right? Like it's been quite the journey and how long ago did we meet? We probably met, I want to say seven, seven to eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and I'll just for, for, for listeners, Jillian is the reason is one of the primary reasons I got into biofield tuning and energy work because I saw her and her friendships and we lived in the same tiny town in Vermont and rural Northern Vermont. There's not much going on, but I saw Jillian as a woman and I had no, I did not understand what tuning was, but I saw and felt what you embodied and that presence. And I remember looking at you and Angela too, another um, biofield tuner and thinking, wow, you know, I really want friends like them one day. You know, I wasn't like preying on you girls. Like I want you to be my friend, but I was like, I just really respect the space and the energy that you two hold. So. Ah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I mean it. Yeah. And I, I love, I'm I so glad that so you have the thoughts because we became good friends very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> We even lived together at one point. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. We lived together. We worked together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So tell everybody, let's just kind of go rewind, rewind. Tell us about mm-hmm. a bit about your background and your, some of the, your experiences that have led you to where you are today in your practice and, you know, as an energy and sound practitioner and wait, no backtrack. Yep. Well, forward track, tell us your, you know, Marielle Fisher and what is your practice right now before we get into the background? Sure, sure. (laughs) So yes, my name is Marielle. My legal last name is Fisher, but you'll find me on social media as Vera, not trying to hide anything, but don't need to pass along my father's lineage. So there's the truth there. (laughs) Um, So nowadays I am a sound practitioner is the easiest way to put it. So I primarily offer biofield tuning 
there is definitely an element of soul, of shamanic work to what I do. So I see one-to-one clients out here in Crested Butte, Colorado, have a little office right in town, as well as I see distance clients. And that's really much of my practice is such an honor to get to connect with folks from all across the globe, which is so neat to see how it's so common. I think that we find, you know, the ego isolates us in our stories and our own patterns and to have the honor to work with people who don't know each other across the globe and see how there are these common threads that weave us all as humans. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Okay, cool. So now tell us a little bit about your background. Let's go there now. Background. Okay. So I think it's important to know that The way I recall the journey, at least from a pretty young age, I had a good, I had lots of good examples around me of what I didn't want to do and how I didn't want to feel. So I will say that from a pretty young age, I got into yoga at like 17, Mm. started eating healthy, like quinoa and feta and zucchini was like my favorite meal as as a kid. Um, And then moved to Vermont at the ripe age of 18 and started farming. Um, So it was very earth-based for a while, super interested in yoga, Um, carry down the line. Let's see. I don't. You actually, you went to University of Vermont for agriculture. Yes. Yes, For agriculture. Yeah. Right. So I was, um, I love working with the earth and I honestly really miss it. I really, really miss it living somewhere that's pretty cold most of the year now, um, So yes, I went to college for agriculture, became obsessed with farming and good food, and then became obsessed with the weeds, the wild ones, the medicinal herbs, went into some herbal programs that Vermont offered. And that really, it was the herbs that were the window in for me as the programs I gravitated towards were very shamanic, very uh, meditative and ritual based, which really taught me how to listen so that when I met you and the way I came to biofield tuning is that I believe if I recall the story correctly, I house sat for you. Oh yeah. I think I watched kitties. Yep. <laughs> I watched Jill's cats. And in return, she gave me a biofield tuning session on your couch in the living room. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but I do remember sitting up and my thought was, I think you worked to my sacral chakra. Actually. Yeah, it was your sacral. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I remember sitting up and thinking, wow, I am going to need some more of that, <laughs> you know, and, and the way I recall is that I could then at that time of my life, I was kind of just in a tizzy. I was ineffective and pretty messy. And I think I went home and cleaned out my car, which was an absolute miracle for me at the time because my car was, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> my friends would make funny. It always smelled like medicinal herbs, not like cannabis, by the way. When I say that, I mean like chamomile and roses and Tulsi. Um, and I cleaned my car and I suddenly had this motivation. So I dove into biofield tuning right away, took all the trainings that I could. While also I met an amazing elder who I had heard about in Northern Vermont. And when I met my teacher, she looked at me and she said, I feel like we know each other. And I got the tingles. I was like, oh my gosh, I had been waiting to meet this woman for a while. So it was very affirmative. So while I started learning biofilt tuning, I also enrolled in a shamanic apprenticeship. And I want to be clear when I say shamanic work, I do not mean new age, neo-tantra, burning man, no offense to you burners. 
Um, I mean, my teacher is now in her sixties. She's a woman who prays to the earth every day, works with moose. Um, it is really different than I think a lot of what a, a lot of the stuff that's out there in the energy work world, I'm still very weary of. And I think there's a lot of things that get weird quickly that I do not stand by. So I felt really good in working with this woman. So also by means of living in Vermont, um, I do remember when Angela looked at me and I think I was a very new practitioner. I just gotten my biofield tuning certification. So that all happened very quickly. You know, I saved away my money for Danny and enrolled in the first training, the second training. And then Ange looked at me one day, I think it was it, maybe it was you. One of the two of you was like, well, what if you taught this? And I was like, there's no way I'm brand new, but I respected you two so much. I was like, well, maybe I'll entertain it because I really trust the both of you. Yeah. Um, Two were so close with Eileen. So kind of went out on a limb and applied to take the teacher training program. And that I recall was one of the most tumultuous times in my life (laughs) going through that program while doing shamanic work. And I think it was a precursor to my Saturn return. Looking back, you know, I think it's such a blessing and, and really a miracle that Eileen and you all let me in because I, I remember being I mean, you're, you're a few years older than me, but I remember being the youngest one by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I felt such a mess. Mm. So often I really was going through so much personal transformation, so much deep digging, um, that really, you know, it was a great, great purging to be able to really hold space and just show up more as who I am. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think that was me. That was like, Hey, you should think about applying to teach. And I remember you being like, what? I just, <laughs> Jill, I just started doing this. I was like, no, you should do it. <laughs> Thank you for seeing me. I'm so glad that you followed through on it because look at you now. Like, it's so cool to see. It It is really neat. And, and for those of you who don't know me personally, so let's see, I've been teaching. Time flies. I want to say I that was four four or five years ago. Yeah. I Um, think it was in 2000. That was 2018. Was it 2018? Yeah. That was five years ago. So now six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Uh, That's why I'm mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. So yeah, you've been doing this work for, I don't remember what you said in the beginning, but maybe a little bit longer than what you had originally thought. I don't know. Yeah. So, so for the context for listeners too, now I also get to teach, I get to instruct biofield tuning and there's such a neat small group of folks who teach it. And it is such a joy. It really, again, it's so interesting to think back and I was so weary in the beginning and now it feels so natural Mm. and I love coming to that space and, and authentically just like you did for me, like you really saw me and, and politely, you know, you didn't pull me in, but you invited me in. And I love being in classes, especially and inviting people in Mm. just to simply who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads me to the next question. Then what are some aspects of your practice now that you are just absolutely loving and finding particularly fulfilling? Mm. I love the element 
ooh, a big kick I've been on recently is um, thinking about how in these times, to me, it feels like often our world is somewhat starved for authenticity. So I really love not even facilitating, but witnessing, to be honest, people coming home so that they can be more of their authentic selves mm -hmm. underneath the programming and underneath the stories and underneath the self-doubt and the other people's expectations, right? Underneath all of that, when you get to witness someone in their brilliance and their beauty, but also in their fullness. So oftentimes in sessions, I'll have um, this, to, I'll get sort of visions, but very visual based. Um, I'll see folks, typically I get to work with a lot, a lot more women than men, but I do love working with men, but I'll have this analogy often. That's like that aspect of that person in this ball gown, like in this beautiful kind of red carpet wear. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you see that as, as being their fullest expression. You know, I think we have, especially as women, I identify like thinking of all these archetypes, Yeah, that's one component, but I think it's really easy that we don't let ourselves be that, what some call extra. Yeah. Right. We don't, we're told we're too much. So we don't get to that often be all of it. Yeah. Or we're glamorous and exuberant among everything else. So that's one component. But when I see that, I'm like, yeah, you know, thinking of, I, I'm not a fan of celebrities or Hollywood, but you know, when you see those people on the red carpet, they're bringing it mm -hmm. right. There's, there's maybe there is fear, but there's a lot of confidence. Yeah. Right. A lot of authenticity, I think. Maybe yeah. not, but I don't really watch TV or any of the Hollywood stuff. So maybe my analogy <laughs> But a that's off the there. image that's portrayed, right? Yeah, at least you, <laughs> right. like, you're like, well, that looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, oh, you know what I just thought of? Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go back to uh, your background. Um, mm -hmm. I remember... I don't know if it was after you started biofield tuning or before when you could like see people's plant allies. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Does that still happen in your practice? Um, I, you know, actually, yes, it's just different. So what Jillian is speaking to is before I um, sort of formally started holding space as an energy worker, um, I started working with plants when I was about 18. And my best friend, parents on a little blueberry farm out in the Pennsylvania countryside. And we would weed uh, the blueberry plants all day. And then afterwards, I would have visions of the the weeds. I would see these patterns. And I was like, hmm, that, that's pretty cool. Later on down the line, go on to find out about plant communication. Um, so if you're interested in finding out more there, I will highly, highly, highly recommend folks to check out Sage Mauer and the Gaia School of Healing for an incredible intuitive body-based experience where you learn from the plants themselves. I really value having authentic teachers and this program absolutely blew me away. Um, so thank you, Sage. Thank you to the Gaia School located in Southern Vermont, but I think she does virtual programs nowadays too. Um, I digress. So I used to, sometimes when I would hug people, I'd have this plant come up in my 
sort of third eye, who knows really in my awareness. And I, I was never trying. It would just happen. It was as if the plant spirit wanted to come through. So nowadays I haven't had it happen when I'm hugging or just kind of out and about in the world. I also don't, I'm not currently in this pains me to say, but I'm not currently farming or gardening where I live now. So that was a time living in Vermont, my super crunchy homegrown kimchi days, right? Where when my hands are in the soil, I get more direct feedback from the plants. Right. Um, Makes sense. So it does. And I really miss it. And, you know, the song, We're All Stardust, uh, let's get ourselves back to the garden. I think I kind of botched the line, but um, striving for that to get back to the garden. So now when I'm in session with people, plants will come in. Um, I call them herbal invitations. Uh, it's not sort of this like, woo, overwhelming full body, but bam, but it's, like when we're in the field, it feels like the match often relating with the mineral or the wavelength in their field. And it was so affirming a wonderful woman I was working with. So she was a student of biofield tuning who became a client. And then I got to be with her in the first level of training. And then in the second level of training to witness that transformation, we were in a little group. This was so neat. So there was a group of a couple students and I decided to be really honest because sometimes in um, the teaching space, I've been called out as being a little too nice because I want to be so encouraging. Uh -huh. So I decided to lean in and say, hey, to a couple of folks, um, can I share some constructive criticism or feedback here as they're brand new practitioners? They said, yes, please. So I said, you know, if there's one piece of advice I can give, this was a, a good amount of the group. This was half of the group that we were in. Mm -hmm. I said, prioritize your embodiment and your presence because mm -hmm. I can feel some part of you. Often, I don't think it's that we don't want to be here. It's that we don't know how to be present in our bodies. So the woman I was just sharing with that I had gotten to give sessions to, a plant invitation had come up for her. I'm talking nourishing herbals a blend like nettles and milky oats and Tulsi and red raspberry leaf, not like super potent, heavy hitting medicinals. Um, well, they are heavy hitting, but in a nourishing and gentle way. Mm -hmm. So anywho, in session with this woman, this plant invitation came out, we got her set up for a tea blend. And this woman in particular, I, I kind of called her out. I was like, you know, if you can feel how she holds space, she's really come a long way. And she took a moment and she said, Marielle, I have to tell you, I started drinking the tea and I feel like it's made all the difference. Whoa. Absolutely. Blew me. Now, granted, she does many other great things that take care of herself. Uh -huh. right? It's not like the only thing in the world, but she, she felt the difference, which I thought was so beautiful. These simple little things. Yeah. Yeah. So you've always been pretty connected. Would you say that that's true? Like tuned in? No. Oh, absolutely not. Thank no. you for that. Yeah. Um, I was extremely disconnected, extremely dissociated. I'm still trying to figure out. I, um, and, and this is so for listeners, I'm 32 years old and it is very humbling that, um, I, I don't remember much of my childhood, mm -hmm. right? You want to talk about complex trauma, complex PTSD, blacked out the entire childhood. When I was a teenager, I used to pass out. I was so dissociated and overwhelmed. Wow. So I, yeah, 
yeah, I think, so that's part of alchemizing, right? Yeah. I always been very sensitive due to less than ideal, we could say childhood circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. The big old T word, lots of childhood trauma, like some, some very real childhood traumas, yeah, you know, yeah. are born into a grief portal. So by the time, I think by the time I was three, my father, my great grandmother and my grandfather had all passed away. Mm -hmm. And I'm honestly just really beginning to unpack that <laughs> and how that's unpacked me. So for anyone listening, no, I have not. I think I've always been really sensitive, but it was enmeshed yeah. and it was confused and very codependent in my upbringing. And um, it really was through being with the plants yeah, uh, and, and through farming that my nervous system started to be able to calm down a little more. Yeah. And I started to realize, you know, it's, it's sometimes challenging to know because the only perspective we have is our own. <laughs> And I started to realize when I was stepping more into these, you know, yoga, shamanic, Chinese medicine, I was obsessed with learning about, I loved learning about these health modalities. And I started to realize eventually, oh, maybe my perspective is a little different than some people's. The way I experience the world internally, I think is different than a lot of other people's. But again, it's hard for us to gauge that because the only experience we have is our own. Right. Yeah, which can make it a little confusing at times. Huh. Oh, plenty confusing. <laughs> oh, that's so cool to hear. So yeah. So once you started working with the plants and working in being in nature, your nervous system was able to calm down. And then the Mary that Marielle who was working in nature and this Marielle both both tuned in and connected, but what else is different? I'm a lot more aware now. <laughs> I'm a lot more aware. You know, a lot of your experience, yeah. years of work, years of receiving, years of giving, of holding space. Um, I, I will say, I think most people who know me would call me out for being pretty driven, pretty stubborn at times, <laughs> right? And And there was always a piece in me, you know, when I was younger, I grew up, honestly, one of my deep dark secrets, well, you know this, but I grew up outside of Philadelphia in a pretty busy area and I hated it. I was so angry for multiple reasons. So then I moved to Vermont when I was 18 and there was a piece of me that always knew that, you know, my intuition has always been in there. Yeah. And I think so much of it is just dialing up, turning up the intuition so there was a piece of me from a young age that knew I'm either going to Vermont or I'm going to Colorado. Yeah. And I was young and I had never been there and my family didn't travel. And now I'm in Colorado and I spent 10 years in Vermont and those are probably some of the best things I ever did. Yeah. Wow. I was, when I was a kid, I was probably 14, 15. You know, I was like, I know these places. Hawaii yeah. was a bit of a wild card, but. <laughs> yeah. You did live in Hawaii for a little while, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So you've got this practice now you see one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one clients along your journey. You must've faced some challenges just, you know, 
growing every business owner, every solopreneur, entrepreneur faces challenges. Can you kind of think of maybe one or two challenges that you face and how you manage to move through them? Mm-hmm. I think the first that I'll share that I love so much that you support people in is the business skills. <laughs> Being a great facilitator, healer, space holder does not mean necessarily you are a great business person. Yeah. Those are separate skills. Every single person needs to learn. And I did not, I was not a business owner beforehand. I was quite young, more or less coming into this work. I really didn't understand even basic finances. So that was certainly a challenge that for new practitioners, I would start there. <laughs> I would start getting a, you know, again, I came into this in my twenties. Um, that I think would have been really nice to not have so much financial, financial stress uh, yeah. or make, make lessons. You got to pay a lot of interest in later. Yeah. Um, right. I know I've made those same mistakes. I, and I think maybe that's, I wonder if that's more common with younger practitioners that start off that don't have the life experience yet with finances. I mean, and, and maybe that goes for, I don't know, older practitioners too, or middle-aged practitioners, but, uh, you know, we don't, we don't learn finance finances and, uh, financial literacy in school. They used to teach it. Like when my parents were in school, they taught it, but, um, and I I've shared this before on the podcast, but then my parents didn't even think they needed to teach it to us because their parents didn't teach it to them. They learned it in school. So for me, money was a huge mystery. I was just like, okay, it can come in. And I figured out how to get it to come in, but then I didn't understand the overspending part of things. And <laughs> So, and, and it's really, really common. And I think there's a lot of taboo in talking about it, unless you're in the investing world or the, you know, there's a lot of talk about abundance. Yeah. Right. But there's not that much talk about, okay, how do you not get into debt and how do you get yourself out of debt? Yeah. Right. And form healthy financial hygiene habits. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people want to put their head under the rug and I totally get that. Um, because I was one of those people, but it is so much more empowering to know exactly what's going on financially mm -hmm. in your life mm -hmm. and in your business. So yeah, that's a hard one. That's a hard lesson. So how did you move through that? You know, I'm still honestly moving through it, yeah. um, but I had, uh, some great influences come into my life and encouraged me to look at some very hard truths and some past patterns and I just want to normalize it. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah. all for like, Let's talk about what's taboo. Let's talk about money and sex, <laughs> right? Yeah. All the things we're, we're, we're so afraid to talk about. Um, so it's been, honestly, this journey is still fairly new to me. Um, but in that way, you know, the things we are afraid of, the things we hide from are our greatest potential for alchemy. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. we need more Mariels in the world who are willing to talk about the scary things and the taboo things. So thank you for putting that out there. 
and let's just normalize it. Let's just, it was really, really hard. And I'll share that it absolutely was a love that came into my life. That was like, you're an amazing person, but you know, he was almost like a banker. We could say without telling too much, you know, he really has a background in finance and he was like, you're amazing. But somehow it came up. He was like, do you want to look at this? And I was like, no, <laughs> he was like, well, if there's a potential that we, you know, he was like, if there's a potential that we could have a future together, I need you to look at this. And I was like, oh crap. Yeah. God, let me face how avoidant I have been because I was essentially brought up with zero financial awareness. Yeah. No, we didn't talk about it. It's like, can I have 20 bucks? Sure. Yeah. But no sense of money management. So same with my upbringing. I think I learned the, the only like financial lesson that I learned um, in my upbringing was uh, pay off your credit card at the end of each month. And for me, I'm someone that needs to understand the why to actually take action. <laughs> yes, yes. I need, I need the, the numbers. I need the data. Otherwise I am, I'm not motivated to like, so I was just like, yeah, that's what, that's what my dad said. He's a smart man. I mean that, yeah, it makes sense. So you don't rack up interest, but if I were shown like an example, here's an example, like, okay, if you, if you spend a hundred dollars on a credit card and you don't pay it, here's what it's going to look like over time. <laughs> right. Which should be basic. Yeah. Basic. I didn't even get that Jill. So then eventually I'll, I'll be honest with, with people. This is, this is vulnerable, but I'm about, or I was about 20 grand in the hole. Right. And someone looked at me and they took the time to sit down with me and work the numbers with me and show me how much I was paying in interest. And I immediately wanted to vomit yeah. and hide and throw up and, you know, kill them. Not really, but it <laughs> was probably one of the most impactful moments. Of yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was terrifying. And, um, so let's see, I will share with people through literally true grit and commitment. Um, it's been about five months and I have paid off 17 grand in credit card debt. Girl, that's amazing. That's huge. While it's, it's, and it's been pure grit and determination and really having to look at fine. And just, I think the bigger take home message. And sometimes the tricky thing is it's when we're avoidant or dissociative, it's for a reason. Yeah. So it can be hard to really even know what we're hiding from. Yeah. Right. Now, if you know, I'm going to encourage people listening to lean into it and just be gentle with yourself. Um, but I really couldn't even realize how much I was blocking that out. So, yeah. And then um, when you, when you face that, you start to notice other areas in your life where you may have been doing that too. And, oh, yeah. um, and there's even more growth, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back to your question. As you said, you asked for initially two struggles and challenges. And I realized that was very personal. <laughs> um, something that I think can apply to a lot more people um, as I've at this point gotten to witness several hundred students come through this program um, is there is a necessity for us to get beyond the mind and into our bodies. And 
what I mean by that is we have to learn. I had to fiercely learn how to cultivate presence in my body. And I still have to fiercely learn how to cultivate presence in my body as someone who has a long to-do list, give me a little bit of coffee and I can bounce all around and be very, you know, have that affinity to be light and quick and vata, you know, and it's really unsustainable for the body. Mm. It's really not well for the nervous system, right? So that was one of the biggest challenges for me that I wish someone had sat me down really early on and said, girl, you got to learn how to be here. And I remember it was maybe my second session doing biofield tuning with someone. I had some heavy stuff come up working in someone's field and I was not as grounded as I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a tough lesson. Yeah, I, I really had to learn how to be neutral when my own internal pendulum or fulcrum would swing from really high highs to really high lows, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not bipolar, but I was just raised in a, um, very polarized sort of chaotic disembodied environment where we're not taught what neutral is. Yeah. Right. We take on as children, that energetic signature of our parents' nervous systems. So if our parents are checked out and dissociated, we think that's the baseline, right? Our nervous system's like, mm, that's home when really, right. Real safety feels like that presence yeah. and the capacity to be with emotions which I absolutely had no idea how to do that. Yeah. So tuning was really helpful in that way, you know, to start to hold the tuning fork. And I think what's so neat about this work is you have a really clear container, right? That's the important is we we need to learn to have boundaries, (laughs) to have that clear container, which is so representative to the edge of the field to me. I love these big comparisons where we can weave it all together. And then we need to learn to be the safe space. We need to grow roots to our own trees so that we can simply be neutral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that that's what your tuning practice brought forward for you. And I think that that is actually a very common experience, isn't it? Because you learn how to be present in a tuning session, you learn how to listen deeply and to hold space. And then you go about your day-to-day life and you're like, oh, like this, this is very different. This is, you know, I want it to look the same, but it's very different. So what do I need to do in my day-to-day or how do I need to think or, you know, be um, in order to bring that forward into the day-to-day? Yeah. We're literally bombarded. Yeah. We're bombarded by input. Like to me, it is a radical act to practice this from our cell phones to, can you, I, I said to a colleague today, can you imagine how much more mental space our grandmothers must have had before email? Yeah. <laughs> you know, respect to our, to those who came before us, you know, they had their own challenges. You know, the internet gives us access to an amazing amount of information, right? So quickly, but I am really curious to see down the line, you know, we didn't, we, we are test subjects for all of this information coming in at once, if you will. 
Yeah. Right. So. And instant gratification, right? Like <laughs> it's the, oh my gosh, like <laughs> there's not even any room for patience and presence because whatever you feel like is going to make you feel better is just a click away. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't have it, we're going to keep scrolling. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's crazy making for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's to embodiedness and presence. Embodied, mm -hmm. Embodiment. I said embodiedness, whatever. I like that though. I like that though. Um, and I wonder is now, do you want to lean into that a little more? Yeah. Bodiness. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're driving, don't close your eyes. But um, I think people often, you know, will identify this and people like, well, how, how do I be more embodied? And I think I'm finally starting to get somewhere with it. We'll see. I might feel differently tomorrow. Mm. Right. But what I found the, the absolute best thing is a daily practice. Right. And to me, being embodied is simply being able to be present with our feelings and not fly off the handlebars. Right. It's not always being neutral because I can be really frustrated or I can be really excited and be embodied right? I can be present in my body. So it's not this to me, at least being a woman, like I'm no Buddha, right? I have emotions. I have seasons. I have cycles. Um, and what's really helped me recently is taking a moment. This sounds really simple, but I think especially for folks who grow up in environments where we are enmeshed or there's codependence, or we don't know what's ours or what's not, or we take on a lot of other people's, you know, if there's addiction in the home, it's really common kids. We all, you know, we take it in as it's all our fault. Right. And then we try to make up for whatever's going on. We, whether we take on the role as the healer or the people pleaser, or we, you know, become deeply empathic because our parents don't feel their feelings. So we start feeling them. Mm. This is so basic, um, but something that's been really even juicy, dare I say, for me recently is taking time in the morning to check in with what are my needs? As simple as this is of like, what are my needs? Okay. Because it's really easy, especially what I've noticed <laughs> in relationship, it's easy to be like, Ooh, what are their needs? Let me meet their needs. Yeah. What do yeah. they need? Oh no, yeah. they're upset. Oh, I'm dysregulated from it. So that simple practice of sitting down or getting comfortable, right? And just checking out what are my needs? Oh, I feel some tightness in my chest. Ooh, I feel some sadness. Like really just continually coming back to the simple practice of checking in with one's own self. What am I noticing? Wow, there's a lot of thoughts going on. I'm really stressed because I want to meet these um, desires in the workplace. But before we step into that container of work or with other humans, how can we anchor into our own body and our own awareness? As simple as like, I'm really thirsty. I know I'm really thirsty today, or I feel really scattered. I'm trying to do too many things. All right. So I hope, I hope that makes sense and is helpful as I get this question a lot, and then with that too, um, the importance of having a time and a space where you can just express yourself and there doesn't have to be anyone else there 
where you make sounds, you lion's breath, you roll around, you roar, you just letting yourself play and express without needing to know why, without needing to fix, literally just embodying whatever the heck wants to come through you. Thinking of, to me, like what is liberation, but it's free expression. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I did that first exercise today and I think I've, I think I'm starting to, uh, I'm kind of like with, right there with you. Like, I think I'm starting to get it because yeah. <laughs> I was so uh-huh. anxious this morning. Like, so it was, uh, uh, Matt's been home. My husband's been home for three weeks and we just got the kids back last night from their mom. And today was, you know, a day to, you know, we, we woke them up. We, Matt and I had like a week. Uh, with with no kids so it was just me and him on our own time the kids are here and they're amazing I love them they're great kids um but I think it was the schedule of things that was getting me real anxious but anyway I felt the anxiety and I was just like what's going on here like what's going Mm -hmm. on why am like then yeah there was some questioning why why am I feeling anxious what is this and um I just started talking it through with him and it was just so like I, I don't, I don't know if I even really figured it out, but I was just talking it through just being like, you know what, having a, a structured schedule like this and trying to get everybody at, in their places where they need to go to school and stuff, make sure their bags are packed. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. God bless you parents. Like I don't even have children and it's a lot just trying to eat exercise, have some type of mindfulness practice. God forbid I work and make art. Yeah. Oh my right? gosh. To being social, right? <laughs> being a part of my community. Like, let's just take a moment. It's a lot. It's a Plus lot. the solar flares. Um, but I think exactly what you're speaking to. I'm, I'm so glad that lands in a way for you. And what I really, I do have faith in I've got a lot of faith as a person. I do have faith. Um, it has gone away at times, which I'm like, oh, I'm so human. Dark night of the soul. Um, but awareness is curative, right? It so is. simply when we start to bring our awareness to it, we're like, oh, it's it's kind of like the elephant in the room. And if we can just say, hey, elephant, how you doing? Elephant's like, cool. You can recognize me. Now things can start to shift. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because like when you bring that awareness to how you're feeling and why you might be feeling that way, it's like, oh, nothing's wrong with me. Like, Mm. of course I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed. Like it's a no brainer, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what you brought there, Mariel. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Of course. I think, I think you really just Thank you. N- nailed a really important piece too of normalizing. Mm. Normalizing having feelings and emotions, normalizing the full spectrum, not, you know, being extremely manic or causing harm to other people, but thinking of as humans, we are meant to experience a full range of emotions. Yeah. And yet, Disney doesn't show us that. <laughs> no. And the image of being an energy practitioner, sound healing mm-hmm. practitioner, 
right? Like Mm -hmm. there's a component of emotional perfection there that we must attain if we are going to be working with people in that kind of way. And you, as well as I are like, no, (laughs) no, Mm -hmm. we're not. There is no such thing as emotional perfection. Unless you Mm. want to define emotional perfection as allowing yourself to experience and feel, like you said, the full range of human emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, I traded sessions with one of our colleagues recently, who is also a biofield tuning instructor. She's been holding space for, I don't even know how long. She's a wonderful human. Um, She is a little my elder. Um, but that, that exact sentiment came up, right? And she said, you know, the standard we hold ourselves to as, as facilitators or as energy workers that we think we're always supposed to have it all together. And certainly a big lesson I learned at the end of this last year, good old Scorpio season, was how brave it is to admit that you're not okay. Yeah. To really let yourself be a mess. And like, I've, I've been a mess in the past and, and maybe kind of have been more, even my therapist, who's like, you look like you're pretty put together. I'm like, I'm not trying to hide anything here. Like I'm really human. I've had some gnarly grieving experiences recently, you know, Um, But thinking back to this practitioner we were talking about, especially as as strong women, right? But but also for men, men are not allowed to feel feelings, Mm. right? In a lot of the toxic masculinity culture. So really just coming back to how brave it is to admit those times when you're like, I'm not okay. You know, I really, I need support and how, um, you know, again, in therapy, my, my, therapist looked at me recently and she said, it really sucks to be vulnerable. And I was like, dang, again, I think I'm being so vulnerable in my life, but she, she helped me see the ways and that it really is so brave to peel back the layer of the heart protection to what's underneath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that, Marielle. So for the listeners who might be interested in exploring more of the work that you do and how you facilitate, do you have any special offers or resources for them that you want to point them to? You can come, come find me on the, on the internet. <laughs> you can find me at synergysoundhealing.com. Um, I do offer discounts to biofield tuning practitioners and students and um, to anyone else we can hook you up with a series of three sessions. As, Whoa. Mm-hmm, wow. Mm-hmm. So a series for of a three package sessions. Of, yeah. The, we found, you know, we can move mountains in a single one, but the body likes to receive frequency with frequency. Mm-hmm. So everything builds and it really is incredible to witness the cumulative effects um, not only of receiving this work, but also for the for the practitioners in the audience of giving this work, of holding this space. Totally. It, it's truly profound. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. receiving, I love what you just said, the frequency of frequency. 
That is, mm-hmm. did you, did you, that is awesome. You know, I, I, I would like to give myself credit for that, but because so much of our world is hive mind, I don't remember ever hearing it from anybody else, but I was like, how do I describe this? You know? Yeah. When it feels good, it feels good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else that you'd like to share about uh, your practice or your journey that we haven't covered yet? Like any more insights or advice mm-hmm. for those who might be considering doing similar work? Take the leap, make the jump. And I'm going to quote one of our colleagues here, Mary Mack, when we were in a class recently, or maybe a couple months ago, it just stood out to me. She said something around how the sacral chakra, how the sacrum um, being home to self-worth is key. It's like the cornerstone to unlocking all of this, right? To unlocking who you want to be and how you show up and how you experience pleasure and money. And I was like, you know, it really is all about the sacrum. So thank you, Mary. <laughs> um, and I think for anyone listening, that is really something I, I have to keep coming back to in my own journey and going deeper with, even when we think we love ourselves and we've come to this place of worthiness for so many people. I think a lot of the things that we want or we want to have when we're really willing to be humble and vulnerable and go back to our younger selves, the self-worth piece, that is the diamond in the rough. And I think for some people really know, and it can be really obvious, but there are these little nuanced layers to keep coming back to mm-hmm. over and over again. And I'm just a big fan of pleasure in general. So I'm like anything that helps us experience, you know, more pleasure in this crazy world. That's also really overwhelming um, and, and brutal at times. So great advice. I love that. Thank you so much, Marielle. Thank you for being on the podcast. This was so much fun. And thank um, you for love means the world. Yeah. Yeah. You delivered so much value. So, uh, we appreciate you. And yeah, for those of you who want to check out what Marielle has to offer, go to synergy soundhealing.com. Um, or you can check her out on Instagram at Marielle Vera, and I'll have those two, uh, links in the show notes. You're so sweet. The the Instagram is synergy sound healing too. Oh, it's much easier to spell than my name for people. Oh, I see. Okay, okay so, so the at sign, I don't know how to even say that right now. The at sign, Synergy Sound Healing. That's where you will mm-hmm. find Marielle and her name on there is Marielle Vera. So don't get confused. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thank you all for listening. Pleasure Thank to be here with you. you. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Are you a wellness practitioner that wants to grow your business, but you're feeling confused, overwhelmed, maybe even doubtful? Well, let's get you out of that emotional rut and turn those emotions into the fuel that will grow your business. Get the Harness Your Emotional Awareness to grow your business free roadmap at jillianfaldmo.com.